0: Hey everyone, welcome to Marta Church. I hope you're having a great summer. I am, um, because I'm still on my holidays, my last week of summer holidays right now. Let me see, I've just gotten back from Jasper, where we spent three indulgent nights there in a hotel, celebrating my 60th birthday. So where am I right now? I'm probably a little depressed that I'm 60 years old now. But not really, because life is good. It's really good right now. Um, But yeah, probably getting ready to get back into things uh, at the church, and hopefully rested and rejuvenated for what I'm praying will be an exciting fall for us as we reopen in more fulsome ways after this pandemic. But for today, one more church service. Um, We're going to pull another um, Blooming Amazing sermon video out of the vault. Sorry about that. A message I preached a few years ago on the vocation of a florist. A sermon is the sermon's entitled God's world-arranging heart in a florist. Florists are made in the image of a God who arranged everything that fills the cosmos. And what they do and how they do it and how they're gifted, and what their aptitudes are, and their capacity to put things together and arrange things in a just right way, all of that reflects something about the world-arranging heart of God. So, we're going to talk about that in this message, I Am. Uh, I Am from several years ago, we're going to talk about that now while I'm on holidays, Um, but before we get into that, uh, a quick prayer. Father in Heaven, uh, Lord God Almighty, the Arranger and Keeper of all things, Um, as we engage this topic now, uh, move by your Spirit um, and rearrange things in us, in our perceptions, our capacities to hear and see and understand, um, so that we could understand you um, just a little bit more as we see you reflected in the vocation of a florist, in, in their aptitudes, what they do with their hands. Um, give us the imagination to engage what we're about to hear, and, uh, and then the, uh, the uh, sense of action to respond accordingly as we go out and uh, arrange our lives and, and do the arranging work that we do in our work in our families, in our relational communities, um, as we serve in our world. So meet us in all these ways. Um, Thank you for arranging this and uh, arranging and keeping all of us. And uh, yeah, speak to us, Lord, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. And in him all things hold together, like a big universal floral arrangement. In Christ, all 250,000 named flowering plant species that fill our world that we know of together. He arranged floral plants in this world in a certain way with a certain look and a certain purpose. In his Institutes of Religion, John Calvin, theologian, talks about the different roles that the, very, the three different parts of the Holy Trinity take in the creation process he wrote that, "To the Father is attributed the being of activity, the beginning of activity, and the fountain and wellspring of all things, to the Son, wisdom, God's way, uh, way of living, way of being, wisdom, counsel, and the ordered disposition of all things. And to the Spirit is assigned the power and efficacy of that activity." Jesus. In the Christian Church, in our faith, belief system, is the arranger of all things. He is the way things are, and the wisdom in behind everything. He's the shaper and holder of all things. He's the one who sets things in place lives, roses and baby's breath. He knows the seasons and occasions of life what's needed when and what color, life experience, floral shape, size, or texture fits best. Like the greatest florist imaginable, Jesus took what he got from the Father and arranged it into this universe and your world, our world, with this look and this nature. Last week, I sent an email to a new friend at King's University College. He's the uh, chair of the biology department at that college up in Edmonton, and I asked him another faith science God question, and my question to him was, why did God make so many plants? And he answered me through two voices, one theologically and then one scientifically, I think the short answer, theologically, is that God delights in diversity and shows His rich provision for us and all of His creation in floral diversity. Remember, every plant has innumerable interactions with pollinators, fungi that take up the required nutrients for the plant, herbivores, and the humans that appreciate them at several levels, aesthetic, utilitarian, food production, medicine, And theological, various plants are powerful symbols for many cultures and teach us innumerable lessons. Now, God could have stopped at 10,000 species, but He didn't, because like a good florist, He loves variety, and He loves doing it new or anew or slightly different than last time. Dr. Peters then went on to talk about the scientific reasons for why a world with this many species of plant, flowering plants, is best. Plants interbreed more than animals do, resulting in many more species. This natural hybridization brings all kinds of benefits to the plant and to our world. For the plant, he wrote, there is increased disease and climate change resistance along with flood tolerance as a result of specie happening as much as it does. Floral diversity also prevents outbreaks of insects. Modern monoagricultures, the way we do agriculture, creates a problem in terms of controlling insects. Diversity helps with insects, so the more diverse flowering plants there are, the better control. More flowering plants also provide more unique chemicals that we can discover for treating our diseases. So he said, the periwinkle plant of Madagascar contains contains vinblastine used to treat certain cancers, and salicylic acid is extracted from our native willows, the Salix genus, for producing aspirin. And then after all the science, being a man of faith as well, he kind of turns back to the complexity and the creativity and the profound beauty and wisdom of God. God. And I remember when I read his email earlier this week, feeling so excited as he described all those things that you've just heard. And I actually imagined Jesus, the world-ordering Christ, standing over the universe like a florist stands at her design table and pulling it all together in that just right, perfect way, the best way the most lasting and beautiful way. Let's see. I'm going to put that species next to that species in the Calgary River Valley because there are going to be floods in Calgary once in a while, and I don't want those trees to be wiped out because all those neotropical birds, which, which especially make their nests and find their homes in our river valley, they need to have a home. And you know what? I'm going to put those people together in a church. I'm going to make him get to know her so they can rub off on each other and sharpen each other in the faith. And I'm going to put those people and that family next to this one so that they can highlight the gifts and the beauty of one another. And I'm going to create a theme through the whole community, the whole arrangement, and create this beautiful little ecclesiastical ecosystem that is going to be protective for them and lasting for them and beautiful and alive for all of them together, a place where all of them feel like they fit and have a place and can flourish. I think I'm also going to come up with a special hybrid human being, a kind that are really into designing and working with flowers. They'll love flowers as much as I do. They'll love getting lost in the arranging, creative, lost-in-the-flow moment of pulling them all together, like I do. They'll have great aptitudes with color and texture and shape and smell, like I do. They'll know the seasons. They'll understand and love people. They'll be able to hear someone's need and know exactly what would be just right What word, floral word, could be spoken into that situation? And so on that day, God created a florist. He created someone who gets why you would spend all that time and all that money and energy on something that is so short-lived and fleeting. I grew up in a Dutch house. You never bought flowers, right? That's, why would you do that? Coming from a tulip-growing country, why would you do that? When I spoke to Anne, my local florist, just down the street, about why she loved her job, in part she said this, I want people to have something they can enjoy that won't last. She went on to say that flowers are special because they're going to die. And her words really made me think, and we talked about it together. Does a flower's fleeting nature allow it to more poignantly say something than something that might last a lot longer? Like, you know, someone's deathbed words or things that, you know, when they're said, they only, they'd only make sense now for this time and this place and the poignancy of those moments. Is fleetingness, the fleetingness of floral beauty... Powerful. Is that its power? When I asked florist Shelley de Groot about that, she said a lot, but she said this. She said, Through flowers, in a profound way, the magnificence of beauty and fragility are combined. And what does that then say about your God, our God? a God who builds extraordinary complexity and beauty and fragility into the smallest, sometimes seemingly insignificant things in this world, who fills our world with so many flowers, most of which never are seen, even seen by human beings, that live for a day or two or a couple of weeks and then they're gone. I think it says that God is a God who values extravagant investment in frail, temporal things, including our mortal lives. And that extravagance points to such a power in my mind and a freedom and a boundless creativity and thoughtfulness that makes me think that every flower then is a reminder that that kind of God created this kind of universe in that kind of extravagant way. And then thinking more deeply, he says that God cares about now more than any of us, all of us, could imagine. He knows that now is pregnant with possibility and time and meaning and truth. So why wouldn't you invest that much of your heart into now? I went for a walk a couple days ago on the pathway system by my house, and Came across, everything's dying, right? And there was this dead little bush. It was all totally dead, except for the top one inch of these dead brown stems. They were bright green, and on the end of the bright green new growth on October 10th were these beautiful yellow flowers. And, you know, thinking about this all week, I thought they were perfectly timed just for me. A little yellow parable right there, just off a Sarsi trail. You know, I half felt like saying, no, 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 God, you shouldn't have, but thank you. (laughs) And now I would imagine that that bloom, or very soon that bloom, will be gone. But not the memory. And I think God remembers every single flower on every single plant that He's ever made over the time that this world has existed, like how a florist remembers what was special and beautiful and right about an arrangement that they created. I mean, God makes flowers. How could He ever forget them? God is making you, making you new. How could He ever overlook you? Or not think that you need a place or that you need to fit or you need to feel needed and beautiful to soften the arrangement, to bring a line to it, to burst out and bring color and shape. Even as a florist, with full intention and with all of the necessary aptitudes, gifts and floral wisdom, makes an arrangement to be what an arrangement is so too God has made and is making your life and our lives together. Even if it just feels like, I don't even have a place yet. I don't even know what this is going to look like. It's just the beginning of the project. The foundation's been laid, and bang, I've been stuck in there. I don't know where it's going. I don't know how it fits. Or something very sharp gets put in right beside your life, and there's a mystery to the that aesthetic and the pain, or you just can't see the full picture yet, and so you're always yearning for some sense of why I'm here and how I fit. When I asked Shelley Groot to explain what it was like as a florist, I, I keep trying to get into the heads of these vocations we preach. What's it like in the floral moment when you're doing the arrangement? And she wrote back this, Now, this is a florist talking, but, like, listen through it. This is… she's imaging her Maker, who is like this in the good ways toward you. It starts with selecting the flowers. I'm thinking of the details written on the order. The Father is the wellspring of all things. And I've spoken to the customer, and if I have, I will recall our conversation. Details are important in my business. So with that, I begin making a base for the arrangement out of some greens. And then I add, perhaps, the larger showy flowers. At first, the arrangement doesn't look like much, and it is at this point in the process that I can feel vulnerable as to whether what I will make will be good or not. Then the next flowers are added in, and some dynamics take place. Ah, yes. Yes. That shape is working, and with that one next to it, those colors go well. Then more flowers get added, and then maybe a few more. A stem may have a lovely bend in it, and another flower laying underneath it serves to accentuate the line. I work with it. The length that bloom extends visually calls for a balance on the other side. Another bloom is added. It takes shape. Sometimes a flower is moved or removed, And then, yes, what would it look like to add a few elements of softness? Wow, this rose smells nice. Look at how lovely it is. Roses are my favorite. I hope they will like this. Yes, it's good. It's finished. I really hope they will like this. And then she went on to talk about a real-life situation with a customer. For example, last week, a regular customer came in, but he usually comes in with his wife. I notice right away that she's not there, and he looks around, and then he calls her on the phone and wants to show her what's in the shop today. I watch. I know she has had cancer. I know she's not here, and he's picking out something for her. They finish their conversation, and he comes back in. Usually, they are modest in what they buy, but today he wants a larger bouquet. I've just finished working on a wedding and have some of those flowers and boo. Yeah, poor guy. Flowers and bouquets on my desk. He wants something made from those flowers, so I suggest. Select something I know is beautiful. White delphinium, cream lysianthus, pretty white roses. Add in some beautiful ferns and long, slender brown leaves. And as I make the bouquet, we talk a little. How much do you want to spend, I ask. He says, it doesn't matter. I just want it beautiful. I feel him, his needs, things that he doesn't say. It's for his wife, his treasure. I know this because I've seen them together many times and have watched how he speaks to her. She's the one who loves the flowers, and he indulges her every week. Patiently he waits for her to look and enjoy the weekly ritual, but she's not there today, and I know, I know just how to make it beautiful. God he feels you. He knows your needs, the things that you don't say. He made you inside and out. He is crafting our lives. For you created my inmost being, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. And then like a, how a florist envisions what an arrangement will soon be. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. And he is still with you. And God is with us, and God is always with us. And he's not, he's never so far away from you that he can't reach out and grab you and move you and stabilize you and shape you, bring color to your life. We are the made. We are the work of the hands of God. We are the arranged beloved can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I've written your names on the palms of my hands. So then, if that's true, why do you worry about clothes and life and family and job? and money and even health and your future. I mean, see how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of those. One of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more. Clothe, protect, keep, sustain, make beautiful, arrange, make new. You, you of little faith. God thinks about you, thought of you. Before any of this universal arrangement came to be, He had you in mind and your place and our places And unlike cut flowers and the products, the limited products that florists have to work with, we are not as temporal nor as fleeting as we sometimes think or act. Prophet Isaiah, yes, all people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely people are grass. But grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God endures forever. And God's Word will never fail because His Word made you And His Word spoke words that taught us a new way. Look at the flowers, He said. And His Word reordered, rearranged, and redeemed all things, including your frail, maybe sometimes feeling insignificant and small or lost or confused, or beautiful and just shining life. Through the Word, you have been placed into a beautiful new setting, extravagant in grace and beauty and eternal in nature, more alive, more real, more true, more forever, and more mattering than you could ever imagine. That's who you are. This is how the arranger sees you. This is the one who thought of you and colored you the way you are, made you bloom the way you bloom. This is what he has for you and for us now as a community brought together by him. And that is a hopeful thought. I was up on Signal Hill. A couple of days ago, just looking down over the city and thinking about all these things, and it was like every office tower was a stem and a big floral arrangement that was downtown. And I was walking down 51st Street yesterday, and everything was preaching the branches of the trees, the color yellow in the leaves, the cars that were driving back, the communities that were uh, housed on that street, the people. We're the arranged, we're the held. We're His. We belong to God. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. And flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. Let's pray. God, help us to integrate these thoughts and truths and images, these florally arranged profound ideas uh, that say something to who we are. Help us to integrate that into who we are. And help us to feel your hand grabbing the stem of our life and placing us and shaping us and surrounding us in the way you do. And even if we don't understand, help us to trust you and to know that this world is your best world that will result in the best forever new world. Even as a flower can't understand fully the mind of the florist, we can't know and understand you and why and how and when. Help us to know you, Lord, as the Lord of why, and how, and when, and of all things, we pray. In your name, Jesus, the arranger of all things, in the name of your heavenly Father, our heavenly Father, the wellspring of all life, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the energizer, we pray. Amen.